Are we good? Oh, he pressed record. All right. Well, that's good news. Recording. So uh, welcome, everybody. We're going to get started here with our 107th episode of Dojo Universe. It's getting pretty exciting. And uh, we're going to take lots of questions here from the audience today. Um, but I thought we'd get started with um, Stuart Highlander's recording from the weekend because we had a good run in the medley. I thought I would uh, play it for everybody. So um, what do you say? Awesome. Sound good? I think that's a good idea. There's signs. There's crickets coming in. <laughs>
there you go. Pretty, pretty good run. I like that. Very in structure is very Inverary-ish, might I say. I like that. Structure? Yeah, just the way the whole thing is still laid out musically. I like it. I think it's very pipe bandish. March, yes. jig, slow air, stress bay, real. Yeah. <laughs> What's that opening to? Um, I think it's Sham it's called Shamu's Walkabout or something. I think it's a Don Bradford tune. Yeah. I don't know, I just learned it. Uh, not I didn't just learn it. I learned it over the winter, of course. But yeah. Got it. Uh, but it's cool though. Band's going great. It's really fun. Yeah. That's a that's a top notch medley. Yeah, the sounds coming together and stuff. Although it was like the perfect tone day too, which helped. It was like probably what it was in brutal Glasgow lands, 115 degrees. No. no, it wasn't. Thank God. It was like probably between 75 and 80 and overcast. So very good. Everybody happy with the performances? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And uh, New York Metro were there as well. They were very good also, which is pretty cool. Um, and so I think both yeah. bands are getting fired up and getting fired up and ready for the world. So it's pretty cool. Nice. nice. Are you guys going to Maxville? Uh, no, I don't think so. Anybody heading out to Scotland around that time? Yeah, I leave two weeks today. Right around this time, actually. Right around this time, I'll be checking in at the airport. So. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Paul was there. Paul was there with his. Perfect day. I'm drawing a blank. Sorry, Paul. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Stone of Destiny pipe band. Stone of Destiny pipe band, Paul Lampson. Yes, exactly. And um, so, Paul, how did you guys feel about your performance? Maybe. Uh, was it not that great, or are you guys just feeling a little bit green in grade four, or what do you think is the what's the diagnosis from from Paul? Start was spot awesome and spot on. Spot on. I like it. In the middle, people fell apart. Mm -hmm. Well. There you go. That's um, nine out of ten. Uh, nine out of ten pipe band performances, right there. Exactly. <laughs> Join Ashby the club. Says, Ashby says there are schools one can go to to learn a new language where you live for forty-eight weeks, for two eight weeks, and learn the language. Does anyone know if such a thing exists for piping? Um, yes, it's called Scotland. Yeah. Or in no, in a modern equivalent, Dojo Universe University might be. That's right, Dojo University. <laughs> um, no, Ashby, I don't think anything exists where you could go for that long. Um, the piping center, you could check, you could book yourself into the piping center in Glasgow for that long. I bet. Yep. I bet you they'd be happy to have you. They have, uh, they have tuition sort of series. I guess I don't know chunks of uh, sort of lesson chunks. I guess semesters. I don't know what they call them, but uh, you can sit. You certainly. Stay there in a room, eat, drink, and pipe, and never leave the building. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you can do it as long as you want to, I think. So. Yeah. And then Ashby, the other thing you could do is you could. There's a really cheap hotel up the road from the dojo. You can live there, <laughs> live there for four to eight weeks, and then come to the dojo every day. And um, 
know? Yeah. Well, that's really interesting, though. I mean, you think about it, there's no, like, real kind of thing. Like, if you th we we're big on tradition, Pipers, right, on everything we do. But that sort of traditional model of, like, going away and living somewhere for a couple of months to a year or whatever and just learning Pipes doesn't exist. It's, yeah. it's interesting. I will say, I will say, though, as a... You know, as an 18 to 22 year old person, uh, what we were do, what was happening at SFU was surprisingly similar to that idea, where yeah. um, at least at least the younger guys in the band that didn't necessarily have full on careers, uh, we would live in the Vancouver area and we would play. Uh, we had a band practice every night and we'd practice our solos during the day and we would be getting tons of feedback from people like Jack and Terry and Alan Bevan and Stuart Little and. Uh, it was um, it was pretty wild. And you, so, you put uh, you guys to work, and you make yourself useful in some fashion, right? <laughs> Ken says, any thoughts on the European Championship results and the influence on the world? Uh, refresh me. Is the was the Europeans this weekend? Did Inverary win that? That was a few weeks ago, actually, a couple weeks or ago. Or was it a few Inverary weeks won. ago? It was a few weeks ago. Uh, Inverary won that. That was our first big win, I think ever, um, which is pretty interesting. Definitely, definitely a, definitely a, uh, okay, sort of, June 20th, February yeah. 1. So any thoughts? I don't know. I think, I, I, um, I think Ken, that, uh, my experience with my experience with the majors, uh, that lead up to the worlds is, uh, generally speaking, they don't have an influence one way or the other on the worlds. Um, with that said, though, I think this year, um, I think this year is kind of interesting because, um, tw am I right in saying twice now, Field Marshal has been beaten so far this yes. year? Yes, all Ireland's and uh, yeah. and in the Europeans. Yeah, that's true. And so I think, I think the there's one there's definitely one influence that it could it could have, which is to say that uh, Field Marshal is beatable, which is big because Field Marshal. How many majors had they won in a row, including the Worlds, up until that point? Yeah. No, you know, a lot. <laughs> I think it says yeah. a lot that Inverary was the band to beat them. Uh, I think that says Inverary is going to be a contender to take one of the absolute top prizes. Uh, but the interesting thing, Ken, which um, people discount often, is how good um, SFU will be when they get there. And I think this year, my personal prediction uh, is that SFU will win this year based on what I've been hearing and yeah. and like based on maybe what you're getting at, Ken, which is FM. You know what's interesting is FM is probably better than they've ever been, but the climate seems to be such that um, uh, the judges are are forcing yeah. the issue that they're. Beating. But I, you know, I think also these other bands too, like Bog Hall and Scottish Power and Inverary, they're they're also better. You know, and and I think that's you don't think so. I I, I don't know. I, I see slight differences. YouTube. Yeah, but it's, it's there's definitely slight differences. I mean, these bands have sort of traditionally sounded the same, even though you know it's changes in music stuff. But they, they they're actually I think starting to sound pretty good. I mean, different than what they used to sound like. You know, like that that sort of like notch above where they're sort of cracking the ceiling. You know, um, I don't know. And it's all it's it's hard to tell too. It's Could one of those comparative things. Thing too, you know, it's hard to it's hard to compare. You know, you're comparing most of the time, so you don't really have an objective viewpoint at any one time, really. So people rise to the occasion too. Uh, Field yeah. Marshall is always the best that they are all year at the Worlds. 
so it it's should true. be interesting. It should be interesting. I and it will be interesting to see how how the um, how the judging panel responds to uh, or, or chooses to respond to new leadership at SFU as well. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting. Like, will they say, "Wow, this is great, straight firsts," uh, yeah. you know, or will they say, "Oh, I don't know about this new guy," you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or will it just be, or will it be um, more of the same or something? More of the mm -hmm. same where where it just seems for SFU, it seems to be, you know, a little bit of a they, they've had, you know, struggled with the sort of crapshoot effect, which is it's a band that um, it's a band that no one has heard all year, so they don't really know what to expect, and so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there have been years where they've gotten six out of eight firsts, and then there are years where, like last year, for whatever reason, struggled in the in the drumming results. And mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's all very interesting. Um, it's mm. all very interesting. Well, what's interesting too is like you know, especially with the Scottish bands, you know, Inverary was coming off of a, a judging split of like what third, second, and tenth or something like that in piping, and then they come you know a month later or so and, and win. <laughs> without really sounding markedly different, I think. Um, you know, slight improvements here and there, but not, you know, so drastic where you're talking of the difference between 10th and 1st or 10th and 2nd or something. You know, you know, so it's interesting in terms of a, just a, a general feeling or momentum that the band has and enthusiasm, I think. When it, when it comes to wins like that, I think it, it propels people and gets them excited and fired up and... And the band tends to do that much better because of that, you know, not necessarily any other reason, you know. Yeah, it all depends. It all, yeah, it all depends. Uh, Lynn is asking about what equipment SFU is using. I don't really know, Lynn. I, I'm not connected there. Um, I think only SFU knows exactly the uh, um, equipment they're using. Um, yeah, and it's arguable that the those MCS things um, dampened the sound right they were also being poured on in hurricane conditions which may have had a <laughs> negative negative impact on sound and certainly rain makes things seem damper so so it's all very interesting all very interesting to speculate we in this at the Stuart Highlanders of course are are actively wondering if we're going to be able to qualify um, so that's the other end of the world that's like the uh, you know that's the, the rookie side of things uh, yeah. you guys are in a good group I think it is. Yeah, we got a good draw. Yeah. We're in a we're in a group of of bands that um, you know we're in a group of bands that will be very difficult to beat. Um, but a lot of bands similar to ourselves, though, where we're sort of new to the game, mm -hmm. uh, you know, have to get all all the fundamental things lined up. So so pretty exciting. Um, it's exciting not to be in the same group as some of the other really really um, tough bands like Seventy Eight Frasers and. Mm -hmm. Canterbury, who was really good last year, um, it's a little bit of a relief to be in a different heat from some of them as well. But, but it's all very interesting. Yeah, should be good. Should be good. So, so that's any questions? How it was yeah. that we got bumped to grade one. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> um, just you because do what the RSPBA tells you to do. If you want to play in their contests, I guess. Yeah, the RSPBA decided to move us up, and that's all we'll say on that matter for now. Uh, people talking about other piping schools. Yeah, like there's piping schools that exist for one or two weeks. Yeah. Uh, but they don't... Uh, and that's always fun, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not the same as, like, 
living in, you know, sort of breathing pipes for a while. There's some folks talking about burls earlier, uh, and Steve, you know, the only way to make your burls better is to play a lot of burls. Now, I will say this. Steve was talking about the um, firecracker, super awesome burl effect, or people that are, you know, playing crossing the minch at high tempos, right? The only burl that I've ever seen where folks are able to get that effect is the seven. So Lynn was talking about playing a burl like, up and down. I would not mm. recommend that at all. And then what you're doing is uh, uh, down and up like that. This is, that's a very ergonomically inefficient action, which is probably why you're struggling. Uh, you know, there's also a tap drag option where you tap and then drag. Yeah. Um, but with that said, um, with very few exceptions, otherwise known as less than a handful of exceptions, the only burl I've ever seen successfully done at a fast rate is what we call the seven, which is down and then down and then sort of back up with a curl sort of thing. So uh, Jack Lee would teach it, right? Touch the pinky to the ring finger, slide it down, and then bring it back, bring it back under like that. Steve says, how do I go about making that change? Um, well, start playing burls like that. Is yeah. How you would go about doing that? I mean, I find too if, you, if you're if you're focused on if you're thinking about it, your 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 hand will naturally sort of do that. It's kind of the most comfortable way to move your finger, and I think it'll just happen naturally if, you, if you're playing a lots of burls, you play lots and lots of burls, you know. Yeah. Um, and it'll just happen, you know, it'll start happening when because you want to concentrate on the sound too, you know, you want to make sure you're hitting the hole uh, rhythmically and all that stuff. You know? Yep, uh, the seven is the only thing I've seen that really will get that effect that you want. Um, and then Steve is his, his pinky snaps, and then you know you basically are going to have to try a few, see if you can get it, and then at some point, hopefully, maybe when there's a month or two before your next gig, or if that's not going to happen, then a week or two, um, you know, then you just go cold turkey and switch your burl to the new one, and do the best you can with it. Um, you know, I don't think, I think you can still be a good piper with other burl methods. Like Lynn was saying, she goes, she goes out and back. Um, she goes up first and then down. You know, you can still be a good piper without that. But, you know, generally speaking, in all my experience, you know, pipers that play burls like that are not going to be able to do a ton of rapid fire um, cracker jack burling, Right. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, there aren't that many tunes where you need crazy burls. But, um, oh, Lynn's a he. Oh, sorry, Lynn. And Lynn was taught that way by Ken, yeah. Um, it's just an ergonomically, ergonomically, um, you know, not overly efficient hand motion there. And burls in general have that problem, right? It's not like all of our other technique just involves lifting and dropping a finger. Yeah. And, the, and then the it's burl. Kind of an odd inclusion there. <laughs> the burl is the only exception. Uh, for that reason, I, I don't spend a lot of time teaching a burl because um, it's not, it's, it's sort of like an anomaly that lies outside of um, the vast, vast majority of all of our other fundamentals. Um, but, uh, but there you go. Steve says, start slow now on the side. Yeah, and then when you're ready to take the plunge, you got to take the plunge. 
Right? It was the same with me with my D throw. One day I had to decide I'm never playing a heavy D throw again. And then you just got to go for it. And you can't, you can't go halfway because you'll never learn it or master it that way. And that's just my, um, that's just my counsel. You know, it sounds like, you know, there are definitely schools of Burl playing that are different. So um, you don't have, like, for example, Lynn was taught by Ken that way, um, which I've never seen, but it may work really well. It's hard to tell from here, but. Yeah, it's a, and it's a comfort thing, too. Like your hands might move more comfortably that way, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's like a physical thing. you got to sort of find what works. You know? Yeah, we do have some Burl classes uh, at Dojo U for those who are members and want to check that out. Um, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the burl, the burl of question is kind of like a, you know, which side the toilet paper should come off the roll, you know, and it's in the holder. <laughs> you know, it's like which way is the best way? Is it over the front or over the back? You know? That's correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's got um, their and best. And Lynn also had a question earlier about what type of earplugs that we use. Um, my answer is much to my wife's chagrin, I use really cheesy, cheap, yellow foam earplugs. Um, I don't have any here at the desk. Um, maybe I do. Do I have any in these, this pocket? No, I don't. Uh, but really super cheap yellow ones because I can't, I cannot not lose my earplugs. Got so, it. Um, They're not really doing much, just so you know. <laughs> Those cheap ones, they don't really do much at all, actually. Yeah, I just need enough to uh, keep my ears from ringing at the end of the day. That's what I need. Yeah, I use um, what's called Heroes. They're, you can definitely find them anywhere on Amazon or wherever. H-E-A-R-O-S, Heroes. They're like $18 or something like that, a pair. You know, they're like that sort of fluted cone, you know, sort of multi-layered thing that just sort of stick in. and They're washable. And they definitely, they, they sort of filter out the major impact noise, but not the higher frequencies. So you can actually get all the sound when you're playing, you know, because the phone things for me always, and it's the same reason why I don't like some earphones, like earbuds and stuff, because they clog my ears and I really can't hear much, you know, just because my head's vibrating and I can't really make out sounds. So I get that those are good because more sound comes in while dampening the impact, you know. Lynn is using these edemotic research. I think those are the same. The heroes are the similar type. I think they're the same kind. It's just a different brand. Um, yeah. Same design, though. To each their own. To each their own, for sure. Yeah. I always hated the foam ones only because they would always, because you, you, you know, you treat them like, you know, they're cheap because they're, so you treat them that way and they always end up getting dirty and disgusting. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Especially when they're yeah. rolling at the bottom of your pipe case and they gather up all the little bits. And exactly. Stuff. And then once they do that, they're not even bright yellow anymore, and they're just perfect. <laughs> just blend right in. Yeah. Me too, Steve. That's that's why I'm using. <laughs> you can't know I'm not I'm not going to Maxwell. I'm not going to Maxwell. Not to go. Pretty interesting. You see this new ad, the new ad stuff they're doing at PipeStrums.com. It's kind of cool. So they got like the ad. big thing on the side or something. Yeah, they got big sidebar things now. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And I can click on it. Hmm. What are your thoughts on these new Armstrong Extreme reads? 
Oh, I don't know. Chris Armstrong's making new reads? Yeah, yeah, he's got uh, these new sort of they made out of these this hydrophobic material which is gonna repel water or something. Um they don't seem much different in design as any others, but they're made of this material that doesn't sort of collect water. I don't know. I thought all plastic was hydrophobic in a way, but I guess <laughs> I guess not. So are they chanter reeds or drone reeds? No, drone reeds. Drone reeds. Yeah, I think he's going to officially release them in piping live, but I think he's, you can get them right now on his website. Um, yeah, they're, they're made of some sort of material that is hydrophobic, which means it just repels water. Um, and a couple of secret players are playing them right now in the solos um, and have been for a while, I think. Cool. I feel bad for I feel bad for pioneers of synthetic drone reads because the market is becoming extremely saturated mm -hmm. with. It is. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's one, just when you think that there's just nowhere else to go, <laughs> somebody comes out with something, you know, um, that that has a new twist. But you know, I don't cool. know. Yeah, it is cool, and you know, and you know, you, you'll hear sound clips. Okay, so Chris Armstrong will blow them up, and they're in his pipes, and they sound awesome. And, you know, Chris Armstrong could probably play two blades of grass in his drones and sound awesome. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so what do you think that as far as you can throw it? I guess. Yeah, it's all very interesting. A uh, couple of questions are coming in. Vin, are you going to Maxville? No, I'm not going to Maxville. Uh, I won't be yeah. there. You know. Uh, and then Paul says, "What do I think of the new Campbell Chanter?" I must be out of the loop, all these new products. Although this is the time of year where all the new stuff comes out, which is odd uh, because it's the, it's the time of year people are least likely to buy new bagpipe stuff. Yeah. I don't know. What is the Campbell Channer? What is that? I don't know. I think I have a hunch Carl knows what it is, but he's on the phone right now. So maybe we'll come back to that one. As is, oh, I've, yeah, I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know the name. Got some sort of screw, yeah. What does it do? I think the screw only go, all it does is just raise and lower the reed seat, right? I think that's all it does. Yeah. It doesn't really like tune anything. It just sort of changes the relative pitch, I guess. It's very interesting. Um, oh, yeah. John Holcomb, one of the students that comes on at 730. Just uh, while we're on the topic, we we're talking about drone drives. Are you playing the drone drives, Vin? I am playing the drone drives. Do you find that the drones, it's hard to keep the drones to stay tight in there because they're plastic stocks? Do you have that problem? Some, I have it in one. One, my tenor, outside tenor is, seems to be just a pain in the neck, actually. Yeah. It just always gets well, loose. Um, I don't like mine it. are super tight. Mine are super tight, so I don't have that problem, but I know some people have been. Guess what John did? That guy, he just, he threaded them. The, the drone drives? And now that... Yeah, he threaded the inside of the drone dry stock. You just like screw your hemp right in there. You just screw your, you just screw your joint in, and that baby's never coming perfect. out. That's perfect. That's like. What do you have? A, like what do you get a tap that big? Do you have a tap that big? I don't know. He's that's got a huge. big wood, work, workshop in his garage. Oh, he, so. he probably threaded it with like a bore bit or something, like boring bit lathe. I bet. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm. I'm such There's a. There's a pipe hack for you. That's perfect. No kidding. Yeah, and then if you play polypipes, um, if you have that problem, that might be the way to go. Makes sense, yeah, yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah. I always says, have the drone drives, I always have problems getting out the, 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 the capsule, you know, the module inside, because it always seems to stick in there. Um, 
So as I'm unscrewing, the whole thing comes unscrewed. I'm worried I'm going to restrict those threads at some point because everything's unscrewing at the same time, but not naturally. So it's, I don't know, I don't know what to do about that. I think there's still some machining to be worked out yeah. for that. Um, Paul says, what are you guys talking about? Uh, that's a good question, Paul. Uh, we're, we're not quite sure a lot of the time. Uh, in this case, we're talking about the drone drive, uh, drone stocks. Um, yes, they are stocks that mount in your pipes with moisture-absorbing capsules, modules on the inside. Um, yeah, I'm a huge... In, yes, on the inside of the stock. They come out as a separate piece. Here, I'll send you a link here, Paul. We have quite a few in stock at the moment, actually, so people should buy them. I'm a huge believer, and I use them when I play Peabrock now, and it's amazing. Uh, and uh, apparently, you can thread them. It's kind of cool. Uh, well, I guess you know this, the whole thing that you know these these uh, Chris Armstrong reads are, are kind of toward the same goal, right? You want a moisture-free environment inside that stock. Nothing on your reeds or something, you know. The longer you can keep that going in some form, whether it's with hydrophobic reeds or, <laughs> you know, drying canisters inside the stocks, I mean, the better, right? When you plant for 20 minutes through a pea rock, you don't want anything sort of messing that up. So um, that's the objective. Yeah. Um, has All kinds of weird ways to get it, though. Has anybody tried the moisture control moisture system? Moisture? I did not try that. Most of these things are like variations on a theme. I don't know. Right? I, we, we haven't even started carrying that yet. So. Yeah. They're, you know, they all sort of do the same job. They're all shooting for the same goal. You know. Um, there's lots of different ways to skin a cat, I guess. However. Will asks an important question. Does the drone dry affect airflow or sound in any way? It certainly doesn't affect airflow, and whether it uh, affects the sound in any way, I haven't noticed anything. I'm a little bit of a soundaholic, like I, I'm super sensitive. What I love about it is it lets me get sheepskin quality tone out of my drones yeah. uh, without killing any of the sound. Yeah. I think that your bag is going to have more of an influence on that. I switched to a Ganaway and before I had the drone drives and I noticed a difference right away. So, um, and I put the drone drives in and the difference, there was no change really. It was the same <laughs> difference from the cheap to the Ganaway. So that, that's going to probably bring a bigger difference in your sound is the bag you're playing. Right, the bag that you're playing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely like I like the drone dress only because I like this. I like somebody says it a key, you know, the kiss principle. Keep it simple, you know. Um, just the minimum amount of parts, you know. It's like as much as I hate dealing with parts and and things, you know. Um, it's it's like the minimal amount I think is the best way. And anything that shoots for that, I think, is is a successful product because the more stuff you introduce, the more failure chances you introduce, and the more problems that I think that you have to deal with. Mm. Round or oval mouthpiece? I'm a round. I'm a round mouthpiece person. I'm an oval guy. I started playing oval. I like it. My teeth started hurting on the round. I started getting worried I was going to ruin my mouth. 
So instead of playing oval. What do you think, guys? How about a little uh, Paul? What do you guys <laughs> prefer? Michael asked an excellent question. And it's something that I've thought about. And it's just the only problem is I don't want to sacrifice a $150 set of drone reads to try it out. You know? Um, so anybody wants to send me a set of reads, <laughs> I am more than happy to experiment on them. Um, it's not just the Rainex though. It's there's other there's other things out there, and I forget the name offhand. There's two different sub, there's two different compounds out there right now that are used to repel moisture. That's one is actually designed for uh, anything really, any surface, be it steel or cloth, and uh, it's it makes everything completely water repellent. Um, I think you have to reapply it on some things, but it's pretty interesting. And if you could do a Google search, I, I forget the name of those products though. And I've, I've wanted to, every time I, I think about it, I think, you know, why don't I just dip a set of drone reads in that sucker and that stuff and, and see what happens, you know? Um, so I just don't want to sacrifice my drone reads, that's all. Um, the water would still, the water would still form on it though, right? Yes. But it would roll because, off. It wouldn't stay there. Well, you know. But it's the rolling. It's the rolling of moisture droplets and, that yeah, and causes that's, and that's problems with the tongue, right? So it's just yeah. like a, a water bottle. I could put this in Rain-X, but if there's cold water inside and the air outside is warm and moist, mm -hmm. it's going to sweat regardless. And then right. I think Rain-X might encourage them the moisture to move around. Like here's what I mean. For example, if moisture condenses on your drone reed tongue. Uh, your drones don't go out of tune right away. They only go out of tune once droplets form and the, and they the start moisture moving, starts yeah. to move. That's when they go. Yeah. That's been my experience. Yeah. So, and then what, they, uh, and what happen, typically happens is that because everything's vibrating, they just sort of like move and they fall underneath or they drip down to the, to the tip and then they fall underneath and then they sort of get underneath the vibration and that's what causes the, the sort of a unstable sound that you get. Um, so, yeah, that's still going to happen, you know. And you probably your reed will fill <laughs> if you've got nothing. If the moisture's not sticking anywhere, it'll probably just fill up the little tube that is the reed, and that'll sort of gurgle eventually. You know. Neil says, "When is someone going to come experiment. up with a second stock for a Highland pipe chanter reed, like on small pipes, so the chanter reed is always protected?" I don't know what that means. Uh, small a small pipe stock usually are split. And they have, uh, there's, you know, a unit that's maybe about this big. That's the actual stock, but it separates and it goes into another stock that's in the bag, typically, in a set of small pipes. Oh, so they yeah. already make those. Yeah, they're out there. But I would say in small pipes, you don't have the necessary worry of um, uh, air tightness requirements that you do in the Highland Pipes system, I think. I think the more, again, the more joints you introduce, the more opportunities for air leakage and stuff like that. So, Michael says, make sure your drone read tongues face downwards so, so gravity can do its thing. Michael, I don't think that's going to make any difference. <laughs> Moisture will still condense on the reeds. Yeah. That was, that's, the whole, that's the whole idea behind the inverted tongues, is that, that it sort of forestalls that kind of, that kind of performance where it doesn't, the moisture won't sort of collect as fast or something and impact performance faster. You know, moisture will just take longer to build up or something. I don't know. At least on synthetics. 
Um, hey, Neil, hang on. I'll show you what I mean. Rabbit. Physics are a, are a pain sometimes, right? We have we have to deal with gravity and and atmosphere and temperature, things like that. <laughs> it is a, a, a very uh, annoying thing living on the Earth. Hey, Kane, that's well, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'll ever go back, Paul. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever go back to game. It's it's uh it's too much too much hassle. Yeah, I I'm sure you do. <laughs> I would love it too. It's just I'm not sure if I wanna I wanna I want the headache. All right, I'm back. Um, it's one of these, and it comes apart. Is this what you mean? Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Well, we got like 20 of them here. <laughs> Those are Channer stocks? Yeah. Yeah? Yep, they're the same size as a Channer stock, yeah. McCallum makes them. We've got a bunch right now in stock we, um, we can sell. Cool. There you go. You made a sale. Sweet. <laughs> That's why we do this. <laughs> uh, cool, Neil. Sounds good. Uh, let's see. So no one's got any other pressing questions they want answered, huh? Every, everybody's, everybody's, everything's going well, and at this point in the season, sweet spot, and it's like things moving, right? Yeah, at this point in the season, everybody knows everything they need to know. It's true. It's true. Kind of interesting things have come up in the uh, Dojo U class series. Any interesting issues or uh, topics? Um, just the usual. We've had a bunch of good classes. Of course, we've got the new um, courses that are selling like hotcakes right now, which is pretty cool. Um, got some really good customer reviews of that so far. Here's my question. When do you start – do you think – if you didn't know who bought her purchased some of these things, do you think you could recognize their use? And how about that? Like if you were walking in the wild here in Piper's Play, do you think you could tell if someone was following the course in some fashion? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Very good. Uh, Paul is asking a question in several parts. In my recently posted classes on drones, I talked about on high. I talked about tuning on high A. Talk to me. What's that supposed to mean, Paul? Come on, you talk to me. You tell. You... High A is a note. Use your words. <laughs> uh, what is the slower from the medley? That's a great question. Is it like salute to Cap Caval or something? I don't do tune names a lot of times. Mm. I just kind of play, just kind of play the notes. Sometimes I'll even learn the, the music from the actual written music, but I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> yes, tuning on low A is the norm. I do remember saying that. Mm -hmm. Um. 
But I said using high A for upper players. Hmm, you must have misinterpreted me. I think maybe what I, what I meant by that was, generally speaking, you'll want to tune the drones to the low A. Um, but um, for advanced players like myself, I actually tune my drones um, taking into consideration how the notes on the high hand sound. Mm -hmm. Then I can do a lot of tape adjusting on the bottom to get to where I need to be. And it has to do with um, the graduated tuning effect and what have you. What size bag is best for a new piper? Is too big, too much to control? Yes, and as small as you can go without it being uncomfortable. That would be my advice. My advice is you got to find the right fit for the player, mm -hmm. um, yeah. which is pretty much what Vin is saying. Um, it's you're not necessarily going for as small as possible, though. Uh, for at least in my opinion. Well, I mean, there, there are only what three sizes mostly, right? So you know, small is typically too small for most average size people, I think. I think um, one of the myths out there in the world is that bigger is better. Like bigger, oh, you can get more air in there and get more squeeze power, and uh, you'll get better tone be, with a bigger bag. That used to be the thing, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember not playing true. bags that where my elbow was straight out. <laughs> False. Yeah. That uh, that rumor is a falsehood. Yeah, it's totally true. A big mistake would be to get a player a bag that was too big when they're starting out. Yes. The general rule for me is my bag needs to fit comfortably under my arm, and um, I my the wrist area, my wrist needs to be not touching the bag. Right. Because uh, we need the wrist. If if I if and you could do this right now at home. Grab your wrist like nice and tight. And then try to move your left hand quickly. It's very hard to do, right? Because all those tendons are in there on mm -hmm. the bottom and top of your hand, mostly on the top. But, uh, but if your arm is constricted, if your left arm is constricted, you're going to have left hand playing problems. Mm -hmm. So that's my rule about the bag is we got to make sure the bag is fit and the posture of the piper is such that uh, the left hand is not. No. Lynn is 5'10", which is sort of, you know, average above average height. And a uh, small bag is probably fine. Yeah. I mean, that's, you say, right? short arms. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I, it's, 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 it's about freedom of motion, right? It's, that's all it's about. And ergonomics, you know, that's really all it is. And that's why the cut of the bag is important. You know, some of these bags, um, when they have the, you know, the, the Ganaway is one of them. I think that like, has a nice, long, sort of thin front um, you know, it allows your hand to move. It doesn't put pressure on your forearm, you know. Other bags have traditionally been cut where they have all this meat in the front and you can't, the synthetic bags particularly. Um, and so you end up putting pressure on your forearm even though you don't want to or even you can't help it almost, you know. Um, so that's, that's also an important consideration. By the way, um, the round... Mouthpieces beat oval two to one. You see that? Wow. Great vote. There you go. Oh, ah, <laughs> oh, I should have known. I should have known you were an oval guy. I'm an oval. Well, my teeth started bending in and hurting. I was like, that was a problem. I was starting to notice, and I was like, I gotta fix this. This is not good. Require um, dental work at some point in the near future. Yeah, it's all very interesting. I'm trying to see what kind of uh, 
one of the things I wanted to do one, one of these days, and I'm just going to do it now because I'm trying to see like the ratings that we get for our podcast. Whoops. I was going to go back to the going back to the bag size. I think um, the measurements can be deceiving sometimes, depending on the cut. Uh, so that you, if you think about it, most bags are going to measure when medium bags are going to measure 10, 10 and a half inches. You know, um, you know that doesn't that's not diameter and doesn't affect the diameter, but the cut of the bag would affect the diameter. You know, so if it's got lots of meat on the front, you know, and it doesn't have a sort of has a sort of a narrow short neck or something, the diameter is going to be affected. So it might be bigger around than your typical bag, like the, the big sheepskins. You know. Have a short sort of squat body and at ten and a half that's perfectly suited I think most people it's all very interesting yeah and Lynn's got right you know the tie-ins depends on what you got going on a tie-in using grommets you're gonna get the full diameter usually um, versus say a you know a tie-in which is going to shrink the bag a little bit around your arm Looks like we have about 250 listeners to our podcast. Yeah. I will say, I will say, Beg makes, and I found this out, makes a Roddy McCloud cut. <laughs> Roddy orders his bags custom cut from Beg, and I think he's cut, he's got them cut where he has that sort of extra front. They're sort of narrow in the, so they have more like that sort of swan type neck, which is thin all the like for a longer distance. So the, most of the bag diameter is toward the back. Um, so frees the forearm, you know, uh, a lot more. So if you want, you're interested in requesting a Roddy cut, you can just get that. Exactly. Yeah, Ross has made a Livingston smaller. He got he had his bags like made special to be short or something. He's also a short guy, you know. So. All right. Well, what do you say we wrap this thing up here? Oh, all the yeah, questions yeah. come with five minutes to go to the finish line. You notice that? <laughs> yeah, they make the ten, ten and quarter jack size. There you go. Good enough for Jack. Good enough for most of us. Uh, Tim is wanting to change his order. Hey, Tim, you can change it if it hasn't shipped yet. If it has shipped already, you'll need to send it back, and we'll get you a different one. Um, but uh, you contact, uh, give us a call maybe a little bit later, and Carl can help you out with that. All right, let's wrap this thing up. And um, oh. good session today. Pretty cool. We taking a break coming into the season when you guys are traveling? Yeah, next week will be the last uh, Dojo Universe, probably until September or late August. Okay. So next next week will be the last one. We'll have to do like a year in review or something. Maybe. Is there a Maybe championship this weekend? Maybe we can run a bracket for the worlds. <laughs> we'll have a Dojo Universe bracket. Bracket for, uh, competition? Yeah. <laughs>
I think Pipes Jumps does that every year. They have like a pick. The yeah, six. they have like the, the, the survey. Yeah, pick the six kind of thing. I think pick the twelve would be more interesting. Be good. That's going to be tough to do. Yeah, the, the six hasn't changed much over the years. Say. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much uh, for tuning in, everybody, and we will catch you next week for the last uh, episode before the Worlds break, and then we will Let's go from there. Have fun out of the games, and happy piping for all everyone. We will uh, check you later, guys. Thanks for coming. Have a good day.